Hey there, guys. If you don't already know, this podcast is based in Rhode Island. Within this state, there are many great businesses. So let me take this time to tell you about Tanya Carroll and the Wickford Way. Wickford is a great downtown area. Wickford Village is a family destination all year long. Wickford Village provides prestige, street-lined with one-of-a-kind, family-owned and operated shops featuring jewelry, houseware, clothing, and more. The Wickford Way is an exclusive publication by and for the residents of the Wickford RI area. So do you work with customers in the Wickford area, or are you looking to expand your footprint into the Wickford area? Wickford loves local. Tanya is looking for reputable businesses to recommend to the Wickford area residents. By becoming a preferred partner, Tanya can connect Rhode Island businesses directly with families of the Wickford area. Find out how by checking out their Instagram at the Wickford Way or call Tanya at 781-475-0818. So thanks, guys. Make sure to check out the Wickford Way and enjoy the episode. Stay hungry. Stay foolish. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. I have a dream. We we'll one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Hello and welcome back, everybody, to the Knowledge is Power podcast. I'm your host, Max Willett, and today we have another great business owner on. So if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, that'd be great. Hi, Max. Thanks for having me this morning. I'm Greg Rasso, and I'm the owner of Clean Right Cleaning and Restoration. I run the business with my wife. Very cool. So can you explain a little bit um, about what Clean Right does? Yes, sure. Um, we help people out on their worst day. So when they come home to a flooded house because a pipe broke in their house and flooded their house, that's when uh, we step in to get them back to normal um, as far as you know, extracting water, drying their house out, that kind of thing. We also offer for, uh, fire damage um, restoration and mold remediation as well. Very cool. So how long have you guys been uh, been in business for? Um, I started the company, we actually got incorporated in 1998 and kind of uh, just started off small and actually it was me and my father who actually started the company and I was out in the field with one van and he was in the office taking care of marketing and answer the, answering the phones and that kind of thing and we, and we grew it from there. Um, but prior to that, I had worked for some cleaning and restoration companies okay. and really learned the tricks of the trade. Yeah. So what was the the breaking point that said, I don't want to work for anybody anymore. I want to do it myself. I kind of always knew that yeah. I wanted to do it myself. And I, uh, my father always said, I don't care if you're digging a ditch. There's tricks to the trade. You need to work for someone first and learn the tricks of the trade. And mm-hmm. so that's what I did. I worked for two different companies and kind of got different perspectives and was trained by guys who were doing it for 30 years and, you know, really asked a lot of questions, saw the best, um, best way to do things and best uh, equipment and that kind of thing. And so I kind of always knew that I wanted to do it. 
Very cool. So, so even when you were in high school, you thought that you wanted to have your own business eventually. Um, at, at high school, I actually had a business in high school. Oh, I was really? Mowing lawns. I started yeah. off, you know, push mowing lawns in a elderly community and uh, in the summers and um, doing snow removal for them in the winters. Very so cool. Kind of just went door to door and had a small uh, landscaping business, um, and started off in business doing that, and then went from there. Very cool. Yeah, landscaping is great because, you know, most people need it and it can be a hassle for some people, you know, because Shannon and B&I does it. He does pretty cool stuff. And um, yeah, so I guess, let me think here. So when you first started the business, obviously you had work in, worked in the industry. What sort of um, marketing was most effective for you guys when you first started? I'm like a lot of small businesses i mean we did a lot of uh i mean we started heavy on carpet and upholstery cleaning okay um originally so to get business for that we did a lot of coupon advertising and um that kind of advertising and you know back then there were yellow pages so we did a lot of yellow page advertising as well very cool um what was like the most difficult you know hurdle you guys had to get over when you first started the business what was the most difficult thing to get it up and running probably just having a good work, working relationship with my father yeah I mean, we went from father and son to being business partners and it was just tough because he's my father but we're supposed to be like an equal partner in business and um so that was kind of it was challenging to be able to have my voice be an equal as yeah. my father and um so that was challenging did you, did you did you get any like really valuable life valuable life lessons in starting a business with your father like uh, like anything like that? I mean, I think I hate to say it. I mean, the most valuable life lesson I think is I like to just not have a partner in business. I think I mean I ended up buying him out over the year uh, after a few years, and we have a much better relationship after I've done that. So yeah. I think. Not having a partner is, for me anyway, was a um, a real lesson. Yeah. So Except, I mean, now I have my wife as a partner. And yeah. It, it works out well. So, yeah. I mean, I guess it depends who your partner is. Definitely. Definitely. I have some, my, my uh, grandmother's side is 100% Italian. And um, her siblings went into business with each other. And unfortunately, it didn't work out great. So, because <laughs> they're, you know, not only business partners being siblings, but they're also Italian. So, very stubborn. <laughs> sure, sure. I think, you know, what works out so well with me and my wife is everything I'm not good at, she is very good at. So, we kind of offset each other. She right. manages the office, I manage the field staff. I see her at a lot of networking events for the chamber. Yes. Her name is Mariana. Yep. She's brilliant. And yep brings a lot to the company helps helping us take it to a new level so very cool so um as you guys grew you know throughout the years what did you find the most uh challenging thing was to deal with as you were growing as we were growing i think um to have hired help take the same pride in the work as i did mm -hmm. and um, deliver the same quality um, as you know I wanted my company to deliver so mm -hmm. I think that's been a challenge too uh, you know it's been challenging as 
as we grow to um, to just make sure the quality is there on every job. So um, do you have any cool stories of gross stuff that you had to clean out? <laughs> I mean, you, I, nothing really surprises me anymore. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we do some um, biohazard cleanups. So we'll do, you know, crime scene cleanups, that kind oh, wow. of thing. And that's kind of some gory stuff, which I'm not going to get into that. But we do, you know, cleanups after you know, uh, crime scenes, that kind of stuff. So yeah. just use your imagination on that. Yeah. Um, so do you think you could talk about the top five grossest things that you can talk about that sure. you've had to clean up? Yeah. I think, I mean, one of the top ones is, I mean, we do some hoarder clean outs yeah. and it's always, you know, a, a tough situation. Um, a lot of time. there's a lot of times there's family involved and, um, you know, so, and there's a, it's an emotional thing because a lot of these uh, hoarders are attached to all their belongings, even if they're a bunch of soda bottles and that kind of thing. And you have to get rid of all that stuff. Um, a lot of times they don't want you to, sometimes they're present. Most of the time, you know, they're off site when we're doing the, the clean out and decontamination of their space. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, we've done those where it's just, you know, rotten food, um, you name it, all types of stuff that's just in their apartment. So, you know, we've came across rats and mice and that kind of thing on those types of jobs. So, um, that there, and you know, there's contents to the ceiling and just a little path going around the house. Um, mm -hmm. we did one in Newport a couple of years ago. We I think we took out like 10, 30 yard dumpsters of stuff out of the oh house. My gosh. It wasn't a, it wasn't a huge house. So, um, so that would be one bad type of situation. I yeah. mean, we do uh, sewer damage clean cleanups. So, oh, I got a good I mean, story for that. After been that. you know, sewage. I uh, had a real bad sewage damage. Uh, sewer pipe broke in a crawl space and filled the crawl space with sewage. <gasps> so stuff like that. I mean, we can pump all the sewage out. We decontaminate the entire structure. Anything that sewer water touched and throw out throw out items that aren't able to be restored mm -hmm. um so those are you know that's always a not a pleasant situation but you know our staff's trained and we're used to seeing that kind of thing and and dealing with it and making it safe um from from there i mean we've had you know car accidents that crash into buildings and hit people and blood and that kind of thing that we have yeah. to clean up um, that we've done in glass throughout the store. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's really, you can keep going on and on. It can on. keep going on and yeah. the, you know, the calls come in and it's always something a little different. Yeah. Than, what, um, what is the most popular call you guys get for cleanups? Um, it's basically uh, water damage yeah. would be the most popular. So yesterday we had two calls come in at the end of the day, um, for water damage. One was a toilet backup with toilet, overflowed and um it went through multiple levels of the home somebody's full of crap <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> you know we get all types of you know all types of things that go wrong you need yeah it, so. yeah so um i have a pretty cool story so i used to work for rpe waste services um and mainly I would clean out porta johns and, and things like that and prepare them to go out to customers. Um, you know, I'd find stuff 
like feminine hygiene stuff and needles and things like that in the Porta Johns. But I went and helped out the owner uh, with uh, sewage pump out. Um, and actually, the pipes were clogged because they had flushing wipes. And so basically, I had to drive this truck out that had a power washer in it. So we'd shove it down the pipe and it would, you know, flush out the stuff. And uh, I get there, I back the truck in, and my backing up skills are pretty good, which I'm still proud of that three years later. <laughs> um, but uh, so I get in the house, bring the hose down to the basement, and uh, shove it down the pipe. And the owner there, who I might try to get on the podcast, Kyle Rude, great guy, looking down the pipe with a flashlight. And um, there's a, the woman who's helping out. She's up at the truck, and he tells me to tell her to turn it on. So she turns it on and opens the valve up. He's still looking down the pipe, if you can see where this is going. And it turns on, and it goes right into his face, all of the sewage into his face. And it goes all over the floor. I'm standing there. It didn't get on me, but I'm totally grossed out. And he goes, and he spits, spits something out and goes, tastes like money. Oh, <laughs> I'm just absolutely grossed out. I'm, I, you, I'm surprised that you didn't get a call that day from that house because it was all over the floor. They just redid the house in Westerly on Main Street. Um, you know where McQuaid's yeah, market is? Sure. It's one of those houses right near there. Um, and uh, yeah, that was disgusting. <laughs> but uh yeah i mean that that whole industry of sewage is gross and i will never do it again yeah, <laughs> i'll stick to 3d printing Got it, much cleaner yeah but, you know a lot of times when we're dealing with the sewer damage cleanup um we don't just contain the 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 contents that got affected or the structure that got affected but it's also um it could cause respiratory infections yeah the the air, the fumes from it and that kind of thing so we contain it we set up air scrubbers and really make it as safe as it could possibly be for whoever's living in the space or yep. you know yeah very cool so um as i take it greg you're you're into hunting too right so oh, yeah. we're gonna get off a little bit about the business here but i think I, I love i love the outdoors too so when did you get into hunting did you grow up with it yeah, I grew up uh, working on a farm, and um, they he did the farmer did a little bit of everything, and you know at lunchtime he'd allow me to go dove hunting in the field right there. So I'd do that while he took a nap on the couch, and <laughs> um, just kind of grew up around it. My father always hunted and brought us out into the woods as kids, and um, from deer hunting to ducks and everything up everything else so really just grew up in the outdoors and have yeah. a lot of love for it and a passion for it and that's um what i like doing in my off time yeah it's great it's it's awesome to get out in nature you know to learn about conservation and things like that um i definitely I, i'm not huge into hunting i mean i've been a few times um i try to go every year um but i have gotten a deer once and i love venison it's the best meat period i think a good venison steak you sometimes you mix it with pork it's pretty good too but uh what, what would you say is the most uh, enjoyable type of hunting for you to do i i really love deer hunting yeah um i you know go walking out in the woods early morning and see the woods wake up and all the animals 
um, around you, and um, it's just a, a get a lot out of a lot out of that so i'd say deer hunting is my favorite or archery yeah. archery hunting for deer is really yeah so you, you do archery because we had just gotten into that well my dad has done it for a while but um i recently got into it and i actually was given a bow by chris ionetta who's a major league baseball player and the funny thing is is he actually he's from uh providence he went to saint ray's and uh he actually trained at the same facility when he was a kid that I trained at when I played baseball up in Warwick, Rhode Island Baseball Institute. Amazing place if you live in Rhode Island and you want to go get your kids trained for baseball, go there. Um, and I actually coach there right now. It's awesome. I love it. Um, but uh, I asked him because he has a million bows. He gets a new one every year. I think Matthews gives him bows. You know, uh, Pretty successful baseball player in, in the major leagues for 13, 14 seasons, something like that. He was his rookie year was in 07 with the Rockies, and uh, he was in the World Series. I don't know if he played or not, um, but uh, after the Rockies, he went to the Angels, and he played for the Diamondbacks, and then back to the Rockies again, and then he played for the Mariners, and then he ended up going to the Yankees, and he ended up retiring in the 2020 season, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, so anyways, he gave me a bow, <laughs> excuse me, a PSE. Really nice bow. He gave it to me. I got it tuned up, ready to go. Um, I haven't gotten a deal with that yet, but I got my first year with a black powder gun, a Wolf uh, 50 cal. It's it's something different using a uh, a uh, black powder gun because you shoot it and it. And when I say black powder, for people that don't know a lot about guns, it's literally a musket. It works almost the same way, other than you're not pouring in the the powder. It just comes in a little pellet. Um. And uh, you get the big puff of smoke and everything. The only drawback is that, you know, if you don't drop the, if the deer doesn't drop right there, you don't see where it runs. You have to like, you have to like get out of the way of the smoke. <laughs> sure. But sure. Um, yeah, I actually had gotten a uh, special permit to hunt in Ninigrit. There was a youth hunters program there. And there are 24 deer per square mile, they estimate, in oh. that small area. So there's a lot of deer. Um and uh, that was the reason why they needed it because you know there were car accidents and things like that going on in the area so you know it's not it's bad for the environment to have too many of a particular species sure in yeah, in mean, the area Lyme disease and everything yeah. else and as there's more development going on you know it's taking over their habitat and unfortunately if yeah i mean well good for us because we get more venison but <laughs> the deer i got was great um very thankful for that deer um and uh beautiful deer tasted great um you know basically it's, it's really funny because i had gone the a year before that and i'd probably seen five or six deer and for those of you that don't hunt there's something called buck fever and i had my my i was using a shotgun the first year and i had it pointing at that deer and my leg was just shaking like crazy and just for some reason i just couldn't pull the trigger like i was like 25 yards away from a deer once i just didn't i just couldn't do it i don't know why you know it felt like i didn't want to do it i wanted to do it but i just didn't do it and i had several opportunities the first year to do it and then the second year we went one day <laughs> and this is the year i got the deer and i'm like i'm like dad because my dad had to be with me. I was like 15 at the time, 14. And uh, I said, Dad, if I see one, 
I'm just going to shoot. <laughs> just, just, that's it. I'm not going to hesitate. I'm just going to do it. Get a nice sh- clean shot on it. And we walked probably three quarters of a mile, found a spot. Uh, there was a tree and a trail that went probably 75 yards either way. So at the maximum range with a black powder gun. And I'm not lying, within 10 minutes, this doe comes out. And we had doe and buck permit. This doe comes out, you know, and bang, I didn't hesitate. My dad wasn't even looking. He was looking the other way. And before he knew it, I had the gun pulled up, and I got the deer. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we tracked it down, got her, and it's great. Great experience, and uh, hopefully I can do it again, but with a, with a bow. It's much more challenging to do it sure. with a bow. You know, it's it's a lot more difficult to be accurate with a bow, um, you know, and yeah, I don't know if you have any cool hunting stories, but um, I mean, when did you get your first deer? I got my first deer when I was eleven. Okay, and the gun was taller than me um, <laughs> in the picture, so yeah, I just kind of yeah, I don't really have any stories that come to mind. Yeah, um, that would be good. Yeah, I don't know. Any so, story is a good story, according to um, me, but. Yeah, I mean, I grew up around it, so I yeah. just I, I have a love for it. I love the idea of you know living off the land. I do a lot of vegetable gardening too, and preserving mm-hmm. of you know uh, different things that we grow. And, and it's nice. It's so great to make a meal of the vegetables you grew, and then with venison. Like if I make a stew, it's like we pull oh, stuff yeah. out of the freezer and can can just make a a meal of all stuff that you grew and harvested and people don't understand how much better like meat tastes when you just throw in a stew you know what i mean like it's so good every year for thanksgiving uh or we try to go we didn't go up last year but my dad's from northern maine uh and it's Patton, maine if anybody is familiar with that and every year we go up and we go into my uh my uncle has a bus that he transformed into a hunting camp and he keeps it in the middle of a thousand acres of woods that his nephew owns. And uh, um, every year we go up there, you know, sometimes we get hunting licenses, but I don't, we didn't this year. But uh, he, my uncle, always has meat, you know, deer meat, pheasant. Um, and he always makes a stew. So good. So good. It roasts all day, and then we eat it, you know, around 2, 2.30. Uh, we're there at eight o'clock in the morning, maybe earlier, and uh, just amazing. There's nothing better than sitting in hunting camp when it's 85 degrees in there and it's 20 degrees outside, and you're just talking, and it's just an amazing experience. You know, one of my favorite people in the world is Ted Nugent, and you can pay to go on a hunting trip with him. And that is my dream vacation is to go on a hunt with Ted Nugent before he dies because he's like 74 years old. So I want to be able to get out there with him and just sit around a campfire with Ted Nugent because the stories that guy has is amazing and the life lessons. A lot of people hate him. A lot of people hate him. But I like him just because he just says whatever's on his mind. You know, he's he's hilarious. Um, But, uh, yeah, I love, I love like the outdoors. Um. Because when I was, I, I used to go up there in February because uh, we used to have winter break when I was in high school. They don't do it anymore. Um, but, uh, you know, I'd go out to that same spot and go snowshoeing 
out there and when it's when there's three feet of snow on the ground that's it's an insulator so you really don't hear anything and it's such a surreal experience when you can just stand there and hear nothing but the wind and the birds and you don't even hear the birds really because there's not a lot of species that stay there during the winter but it's just a great you know hunting fishing outdoors is just amazing and a lot of people don't understand that you know vegans and vegetarians things you know what i mean you know they 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 say how horrible it is that you go and kill this animal and yet they don't understand that the crops that they eat, you know kill millions of animals you know because they got they got to make those fields for the forest push out those those other animals that live there you know so it's just uh i think a lot of people need to be educated on what's going on with conservation and you know nobody loves the more the woods more than we do sure well a funny story when i my wife is actually she's vegan now when i met her she was vegetarian so we're total opposites oh i'm sorry i didn't um but when i first (laughs) met her she actually got her hunting license she knew i was so into hunting she was a vegetarian but she took the hunter safety course and wanted Mm -hmm. to learn more about it and you know she's out in nature she loves nature and hiking and skiing and everything outdoors too and so um she got her hunting license as a vegetarian and she doesn't hunt um she's been out with me and we have a, a uh, Brittany Spaniel that we do some uh, that I do some pheasant hunting with yeah. and she came out in the beginning and saw how it was done and decided you know it's not it wasn't for her but she took the time to yeah. you know take the course and yeah. um, you know she supports me in doing it and yeah. you know we'll make a meal and half of it will might have some venison in it and the other half doesn't yeah so it, well, well that's the thing is, is you can be you know there's absolutely nothing wrong with being vegetarian or, or vegan the point where it gets wrong is if you demonize me because I don't want to be a vegan or a vegetarian. You know what I mean? Sure. And and that is a problem with a lot of different things and that's going on right now is just I don't know, it's just a topic for another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> sure. But um yeah, so you're also into fishing too, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. I do all type uh like um doing a lot of freshwater fishing and a lot of saltwater fishing so i've you know do a little of both and a dream of mine was to live on a pond someday and yeah. me and my wife uh, just about two years ago bought a, a cabin on a pond that we're working on making our year-round residence so yeah that'll be I'm awesome really excited about that yeah that's there's nothing better than living on a pond really because mm-hmm. another thing we try to do and when we go to maine is during the summer my parents will try to rent a cabin um and we there's this place called shim pond up in northern maine well excuse me in this area of maine where my dad's from is about an hour and a half north of bangor and 45 minutes south of holton so it's very close to the canadian border you know about 50 minutes to the canadian border um and shim pond is great it's you know there's um a lot of trout and salmon and and there's no not a lot of pike. Pikes actually is an invasive species in northern Maine, mm-hmm. and so is a smallmouth bass. A lot of people don't realize that. Um, but if you go up northern northern Maine, like northern a caribou, there's muskie, actually, which is really cool. And I'd love to catch a muskie once, because sure. those things probably fight like crazy. 
you know, I, I never caught a pike before, but I've caught pickerel, and those suck. <laughs> yeah. They just chew up your lines and and things like that. You know, it's just I do like catching bass, so bass are super fun to catch, you know, because you can just catch them, lip them, release them, you know, sure. unlike, unlike fish with teeth because you have to be careful, not, you know, they don't bite you. Right. <laughs> so bass are super fun for that i'm big and you ever hear the guggen squad no on youtube you got to watch these guys it's a whole hunting fishing platform basically they've created it's amazing <laughs> it's 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 great because they while they're you know very young oriented people and are trying obviously trying to to sell the younger audience which they should um, because those are the people that need to be educated on, on hunting and fishing and things like that. Uh, it's a great, what they've created is amazing. It's a whole brand around outdoors. They have apparel lines. They have, so there's these, there's several members. There's Alex Perrick. There's Lunkers TV. There's LFG, um, Flair, John B., uh, and then there's this ginger guy with a beard, and I can't remember his name. Um, but they're in Texas. They're in um, is Waco? Is that Waco, Texas, a place? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think they're in that area of Texas. Um, and I and I watch them. John B. actually has a place in the Bangor area. He has a cabin out there. He won't say exactly where it is, and he shouldn't because I wouldn't want people showing up at my house, <laughs> especially when he's got two million subscribers on youtube or something crazy like that sure you know but uh he goes up there all over the place goes snowmobiling, and ice fishing and it's great that you know there's a prominent youtuber in in, in the in northeast you know showing everybody how to do the things and and uh it's great you know it, i really enjoy their channel so i want to i want to you know support them and and because they get demonetized a lot on on social media platforms because they have guns and they have you know, they don't, they don't show the guts anymore, you know, when they process an animal, but because of that, mm -hmm. um, and they have to refer to firearms as pews because if they say gun, they'll get demonetized. Sure. <laughs> so it's, it's very sad, you know, the lack of education that you even see on the social media platforms, you know, with, with that sort of, you know, use of firearms, you know, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really, you know, it's important, it's, a valuable lesson to go out and you know get your own game and clean it and and eat it and yeah if you're gonna eat meat and it come it doesn't just come packaged from the grocery store there's more that go into it yeah and, you know i if i think everyone should be you know a part of that if they're gonna eat meat you should learn the process of what goes into it and you know be all right with doing the whole process or at least or at least knowing yeah you know what goes into it not just thinking it you know people growing up just seeing a package in the store and that's how they mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. well think it comes yeah i mean i'll tell you i will i know that um the pandemic really shook people up in a lot of different ways but believe it or not i i think the amount of people that hunt almost doubled in the time the pandemic hit i think in the beginning, it was around 5% of people hunted, you know, like when I got my license a few years ago. And now it's like 8 or 9% of the United States population is involved with hunting now, which mm -hmm. is amazing. Um, 
you know, it's almost 10%. That's almost 30 million people, you know, sure, or more than that now because population went up again. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, hunting, fishing, conservation, I love it. Uh, and like you said, I think more people should get into it. Uh, because I listened to this guy, Steve Vernella, the meteor podcast, if you've ever heard of him. Um, and he's big into the spiritual part. I couldn't talk about a lot about that, you know, cause he's, in, he's went and hunted with native Americans and, and cause they're really into the spiritual part of hunting and that's really cool stuff. Uh, and, uh, he's a huge advocate for the whole conservation message. And, oh, and there is a difference between conservation and environmentalism. A lot of people, you know, they say, uh, conservationist is an environmentalist with a gun (laughs) you know they want the same thing but they go about it different ways um you know so but yeah something that i really love to do and i wish i had time to do more of it you know just uh the hunting seasons how they work out you know i'm super busy right now so uh, it's tough for me to get out but i definitely want to more often and uh yeah, it's it's great, and I want to eventually. So my my grandfather just applied for a moose tag, which which would be really fun because uh, he can take you can if you get the tag, you can take you know one other person. They can shoot it or so you can. It's transferable to like one person. Hmm. So he's gonna try uh, try to get it, give it to my dad or his brother or something like that. I'm not sure, but have you ever tried to get big game like that before? No, I, you know, basically just hunt local and yeah. haven't really done that. I, it's, you know, it's night. It's I definitely, you know, it interests me, but I haven't gotten into that at all. Yeah, I, I would love to go elk hunting. You know, if you listen to Joe Rogan at all, he's like huge into elk hunting. It's crazy. It's hilarious because, um, he was never into hunting. You know, a decade ago. And then Steve Rinella took him out, and he's big into hunting. Uh, you know, and he really realized the importance of it and how different it is and the stereotype makes it out to be because, you know, there's a lot of stereotypes out there because there are idiots that hunt, you know. You got guys that shoot other people in the woods because that's why I won't hunt in public land anymore unless it's archery, you know, just because you got idiots that shoot anything that moves. Sure. You know, yeah. so especially in Rhode Island because it's so compact and there's not a lot of area to hunt in. And, um, yeah, it's just, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I think this is a perfect spot to go into the sponsor break. I just wanted to tell you about my Patreon. If you're interested in supporting the podcast and donating some money, all you got to do is go to patreon.com forward slash K-I-P-P-O-D. And there's three separate tiers there where you can get exclusive content, ad-free content, and you can even suggest questions for me to ask future guests on the podcast. So guys, make sure to check out my Patreon. Also, make sure to share this podcast on your social media accounts, link it to Spotify, review it on Apple. I would very much appreciate that. All right, so we are back. And uh, during the break there, Greg was just telling me about uh, how they like to do dry outs of hybrid flooring and things like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm one of the things, you know, my passion is, is helping people. I mean, you can't be in the restoration industry if you don't like help helping people. Um, 
a lot of times we show up to a home and you know your their castle is underwater <laughs> and they're devastated and they're crying when you get there and after you get the situation under control by the time you're leaving the customer's giving you a hug so i really love that uh, you know helping people like that and it's a you know that's what really gets us up at two in the morning to respond to a water damage to um to help you know save someone's house um from further damage and that can put them at ease so um one of the things that we're passionate about is trying to dry out structures with doing minimal demolition um so sometimes there there is demolition that needs to get done you know ceilings and walls have to come out but sometimes it doesn't have to happen i mean we have the latest and greatest drying technology out there where we can dry out um, wall cavities that have gotten wet as long as it's a clear water flood like a fresh water flood and not sewer water sometimes we can dry out a wall cavity um, on you know walls that aren't insulated anyway um, without tearing the wall out so it, it saves it's a win-win for for everyone when we can dry out the house without with doing minimal demo so you know the insurance companies involved you know the insurance company wins the homeowner wins because they don't have all that demo going on in their house and they can get back to normal quicker mm-hmm. and we win because we don't have to do the demo and we don't we don't love doing demo. We'd rather set up our equipment, our specialty drying equipment, and let it dry a structure. So um, one of the things that specialty pieces of equipment we use is a hardwood floor drying system. So a lot of times people get uh, water damage on their hardwood floors, and they think they have to tear them up and get them replaced. And you know sometimes they start to cup when they have water underneath them, and people are like, oh, they're destroyed. Well, that's not always the case. Um, we can get out there. We have these uh, series of mats we lay on the floor in this specialized system that draws air through the cracks in the hardwood floors, and it can dry the hardwoods from the bottom up. So we do a lot of that, um, along with a lot of you know wall cavity drying and ceiling cavity drying, and it just saves a lot of hassle. So we have a motto at Clean Right. Uh, we'd rather dry it out then tear it out so mm-hmm. well there's also another great model that i like uh it takes the stress out of the mess right yeah sure. that's a great one um i think did you just come off up with that on a whim or something i had someone actually gave me the idea for that okay motto, but okay cool because it's great it's very catchy yeah uh, you know it, it's great it's perfect um can you explain some of the other technologies you use to to clean out houses and things Sure. I'm, um, a lot of times, you know, you go into a home that has you know, water damage from, let's say, a roof leak, and you can't see the visible damage, but maybe the homeowner had like a drip coming from their light, and they're, you know, they're like, I'm worried there's a pocket of water up there, or, you know, what do I do? And we have a thermoimaging camera that we can come in and scan the room and see through the walls. Um, it tells temperature differential. So if you have a pocket of moisture up in your ceiling, we can see that with this thermal imaging camera and, um, you know, know that that has to be addressed, whether we are able to dry it out or whether we have to cut that area out, um, and remove the drywall and insulation. At least we, we can find the exact area that's affected. Um, so we have all different types of moisture meters 
from like a non-evasive meter we can run along the wall um to you know different um like hammer probes that we can hammer into woodwork to see is there wood is the wet is the wood wet in the middle of the wood and that kind of thing so all types of moisture meters um we utilize um different uh equipment for fire damage restoration for getting rid of the smoke smell um and the the soot and the the toxins in the air and that kind of thing from you know air scrubbers that purify the air big filtration systems to um an ozone machine and if if you've ever stepped outside after a lightning storm the air is crisp and clean um that's because lightning generates ozone so after we're done with a fire damage restoration, cleaning the ceilings, walls, floors, everything we can access, we run this ozone machine and it gets rid of any smoky odors that are in the cracks in the walls and areas that we couldn't access to clean. So we have um, equipment like that's a one piece. Um, we have another one it's called a hydroxyl generator. <clears throat> and this uses UV radiation to kill and neutralize odors and um it uses so it uses ultraviolet radiation for that and so that's kind of uh, one of the latest and greatest things out there in restoration very cool and what machine is so other than the the drying out machine because you said water damage is the most popular call you get what is the other like most popular type other than that you know technology that you use uh we do a lot of mold remediation Mm mm-hmm as well <clears throat> i mean with the real estate market that's really active um you know a home inspector will find mold in an attic or basement or crawl space um the new buyers want to get it remediated and it disrupts the sale so that's where we can step in and remediate the mold we have a third-party mold testing company that comes in and does a test after we get done a clearance test and make sure it's free and clear of mold and can give uh, the homeowner a clean bill of health and can the sale can move forward so we deal with mold remediation on you know home sales a lot but just in general for homeowners who need it as well mm-hmm. so it's funny i wonder i would like to talk a little bit more about marketing and what kind of marketing you guys do because i know a lot of people that do you know the manual labor side of, of business you know i know somebody who does hybrid flooring brian bouye who does clean out similar to what you guys but not really he does more like moving stuff um and uh you know i know some contractors and and it seems like word of mouth like is their most effective because it's not really a marketing strategy it just sort of happens because you know somebody knows somebody who needs this and then it goes on forever and ever and ever like brian was telling me and he's been on the podcast before he doesn't even have business cards because he hasn't needed them. Just sure. people telling people that he's the best at what he does and you should hire him. Sure. So do you find that word of mouth is the most popular type of marketing for you guys? Yeah, I think um, word of mouth and from your repeat customers and mm-hmm. doing a good job in you know making sure they were happy with what you did for them and them telling their friends and family about, about your service. Um, and I, that's definitely been our biggest, biggest form of uh, repeat business. And so you'd uh, say forms of marketing, like excuse me, 
like BNI, Business Networking International, and, and the Chamber are very effective for you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So what um, uh, what sort of what sort of uh, you know strategies like do you try to enact through those marketing strat you know through those networking events? What have you found? What part of your business have you marketed the most in those uh, you know experiences and those platforms of marketing? I mean, I think first it's on building the relationship with, yeah. you know, whoever you're talking with. And then from there, um, just telling them the benefit of how we can, how we can help them, you know, our, you know, our kind of like our motto, we'd rather dry it out than tear it out. Yep. Um, just showing them the benefit of, you know, of using us. And that's our focus is not to come in and tear up your whole house, but just to get you back back to normal as quick as possible and um you know make it as less as least stressful as possible in yeah a stressful situation so obviously sub you know cleaning out your house sucks and it's something that you really hope happens to you a minimal amount of times any homeowner you know it doesn't they don't want it to happen ever if they can so what sort of strategy have you found that's most effective for people to instantly think about clean right you know if they're the first time customer like what sort of marketing strategy makes them think about you first and not somebody else? I think our just repetition of, you know, our marketing yeah. is helpful. Do you guys do any uh, Google ads and SEOs and things like that? Yes, we do. So it's it's a really interesting world, Google ads. And I say world because it really is. It's totally different type of marketing compared to like traditional newspaper ads and things like that because it's all system based it's all algorithm it's all based off of clicks and you have to you don't have to be an expert with it because there are experts that you know are in google ads you have marketing companies that do that but nobody really knows 100 percent what's going on in the background and um what have you felt, what have, what have been the key ad words to use for your business? You know, if you are a part of that at all, um, what has been like the most effective ad to run for you guys? I mean, I think the key word water damage yeah. is pretty much uh, the, you know, one of the biggest keywords for us. Yeah. Interesting. Cause you know, for me, it's, I try to make them as vague as possible, you know, because I'd rather somebody, you know, you know, look at my website and wonder if I do something because then they'll call me or email me than uh, see something and say, oh, they don't do that. I'm not going to call them because there's always something else that can come up from a conversation, you know, and you're talking to a customer, you know, let's say they want X type of technology for printing. Oh, I don't do that. But I do do this and I can explain you the benefits and, oh, okay, I'll go with that technology instead. But instead of me saying that I don't do that technology on my website, they call me instead and then I just convince them to do a different type of technology because they don't really need that for that type of project that they're doing. So I felt like that's really effective. You know, it, it, can, it can get overwhelming sometimes because you get a lot of emails about that you know different questions and things like that but i don't mind it i love talking about 3d printing and, and it's my passion and um that's what i felt 
has been most effective for me in terms of the Google ads and SEOs. And it's funny because in BNI today, Patrick Wiley, who's a new member uh, and has sort of an online marketing company, 321 Media, I think it's called, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, he was talking about TikTok. And it's TikTok is, a, I think, a perfect word to describe it is an obnoxious platform <laughs> because it is so addictive and so useless, really. I mean, it works. You know, the, the, the average age on that website is probably less than 18. You know, it's probably like 16 or 17. So you really have to be selective on what you market out there. And I think it's a good thing that a lot of businesses get on there and try to educate people because when it comes to marketing, education is, a, is the biggest thing for a lot of different companies. Because especially for companies like Jeremy Long Flatern, uh, you know, who have mar have mortgaging, they do mortgages, you know, 16 year old kids aren't looking to buy a house. But it's something good to know about because they don't teach you about mortgages in school. And it's good if it pops up on their for you page. Oh, Huh, interesting. You know, some of them might skip over it, but people that don't will benefit from that because I didn't know anything about mortgages until I joined BNI. You know, I knew about financing and, you know, 30 year fixed or 15 year. And I think you can even get 45 if you really want to do that, which is insane. You know, I think a lot of people, you know, who have money to spend will do a 30 year mortgage, but pay it like it's a 15 because they can get a. A lower interest rate right if they do it for 30 years compared to 15 so why not just get the lower interest rate and pay it like a 15-year mortgage you know if you have a thousand dollar a month mortgage over 30 years and you wanted to do a 15-year mortgage but you did it because of lower interest just pay two grand every month instead of one grand plus the interest or whatever but i wouldn't have known that if i didn't follow jeremy on tiktok or hear him talk about mortgages or things like that but um it, it can be really effective you know, I do see a lot of people with 3D printing on there. And I actually seen a lot of cleanouts. People will will document their cleanouts. And uh, it's really interesting. Maybe some of you guys, because you can go viral on that hmm. app very easily. The co acquisition cost of a follower is very close to zero. You know, all it is is a quick tap. It's not like podcasts where the acquisition cost is very high. You know, having a few thousand listeners for podcasts is amazing. You know, having a few thousand followers on TikTok is kind of meh. You know, you have, I have a 210 followers on TikTok. That's horrible. You know, that's nothing mm -hmm. compared to people. I think there's people that have, you know, they have tens of millions of followers, you know, sometimes hundreds. Sure. And, but the acquisition cost is very low. You know, the acquisition cost, you look at YouTube is higher than it is on TikTok, but it's not quite as high as podcasting because to subscribe is a little bit more of a commitment than it is to, uh, you know, click the follow button on Instagram or something like that. And, Social media marketing can be really effective or it can be really bad, you know, and a waste of time because you didn't catch lightning in a bottle. But I feel like if you post enough on it, you'll eventually catch lightning in a bottle. It might take six years, but it only takes that one time. Um, but uh, have you guys used social media marketing at all other than Google SEOs and things like that? Um, a little bit on Facebook. Yeah. Um, my wife really handles that portion of it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it, it, and actually I have a question for you. Um, so obviously right now it's really tough to get employee. It's really tough to get employees. Uh, you know, the workforce is really low, um, due to the, the unemployment benefits they're giving right now are crazy. 
So what have you guys felt is the most effective strategy to try to get people to stay and want to work with you guys? Well, we really try to build like a family atmosphere. Um, You know, we have some core values in our company, positive attitude, integrity, and caring. And I think right off the bat when we're hiring, we look for these qualities in individuals that we're bringing into the company. So I think on the front end and hiring and having them join our clean right family, um, we make sure they have those qualities and that, you know, that seems to help of course. retain the like-minded people. Yeah. Well, it's, it's really interesting because you look at some of these businesses like restaurants and things like that, where the disconnect between manager and employee is very high. Um, and I worked at the Westerly car wash for four or five months And I think I had one of the best managers you could have ever asked for in a job like that. I got really lucky. She doesn't work there anymore, but her name is Kelly. And I can't remember her last name. But if you know Kelly from the Wesley Car Wash when she used to work there, she was, she's like what, in terms of work ethic and just personality, she's what every little girl should look up to. And I felt really blessed to have, I felt cared about. She was flexible. If you had a conflict coming up, like I was going to school at URI at the time, she's like, all right, if you can only work Saturdays, that's fine. We'll make it work. Um, But what eventually made me leave was I was working there and COVID hit and nobody was going to get their car washed. You know, they get two cars a day and they were giving the time to people that uh, worked there that really needed the money, that were using that money as their main source of income. You know, believe it or not, Christmas 2019, I worked there that week. I made $27 an hour from tips, which was insane. I walked away with like 950 bucks that week, you know, and the tips are taxed too, um, which is insane. You know, I don't, I haven't made that much money in a week in my life since then, you know, like, sure. Uh, and it's crazy, you know, but, uh, I was very lucky to have, you know, going back, I was very lucky to have a manager that, that I felt cared as an employee at a place where they have high turn rate in terms of employees, um, just because of the people that, you know, want to go work there, you know, it's just something, it's a means to an end or something like that. But, um, yeah, totally. It's very important. People don't realize that having those values, it sounds like something that's, kind of corny and funny but when you work at a place and they you can tell they care about you and these values are something they care about that means you'll be working with nice people and you'll like the people you work with which is huge you know it's very important and a lot of employers miss out on that sure and it's good that you guys do that um you know coming from a 20 year old who has no employees but (laughs) i really appreciate you know it's really good that you guys feel it that's important yeah i mean one thing that we also do in our company to to help people you know feel like they're growing or grow with the company and feel like they're growing with their that's huge i mean we keep ed keep education um keep educating everyone whether they're getting sent away to a specialty class for fire restoration or you know there's i i went to college for a few years i I don't have a college degree but i was still able to become successful and i i'm certified in all different cleaning and restoration components so that was kind of my college you know the the uh, there's a uh institute of cleaning and restoration 
um, that puts on all these classes and holds these certifications that you can take. So, you know, it, college isn't for everyone and it certainly wasn't for me. And I was able to, to go that route. And, you know, through the years I have brought a lot of, uh, younger people onto, you know, into the industry and see them still today, even if they're not with my company, some of them are insurance adjusters right now. So they continued in the restoration field. Um, and I, you know, I hope that I had a lot to do with that and yeah. training them and keep them growing. And that's one thing we keep our employees growing and learning. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's yeah. And, uh, it's very good to hear that because, you know, it's, it, it, it kind of sucks though, because, uh, you know, businesses need a value proposition for you to work there. You know, a lot of places it's just the money, but having a community, you know, to work at. And I definitely learned that I worked in New Hampshire for about a summer. Um, I have family up there that have a business and it's called Formax, funny enough, F-O-R-M-A-X. I'm still waiting for them to give it to me, but they haven't given it to me yet. I don't know why they name it that and not give it to me. But anyways, <laughs> um, they uh, that place is amazing. I worked there for from like July 10th to the end of August, and then that was summer 2019. And it was the first time I really worked in like a corporate business because they do a lot of in revenue they have probably 75 employees uh in dover and um i had a really great time working there met a lot of great people uh learned a lot of valuable lessons and uh they had at the very end of summer they had a whole event they had picnic tables they had a buffet they had volleyball net set up in the back there and it was great community feeling and they do um very similar to ABS, Automated Business Solutions. Um, Jimmy Lazarus, who used to be in BNI, for those of you that don't aren't you know listening to this from BNI, but they actually sell shredders. ABS sells shredders that Formax makes. Um, great company. I love working there. Um, the owner Tim, one of my idols. Um, so basically, he's my uncle's father-in-law, and my uncle and my aunt—they're all amazing people. Uh, and I look up to all of them. You know, my uncle actually went to college for um, theater, and now he's the vice president of marketing at that company. And it's, I guess, it kind of ties into each other because you have to be theatrical in marketing nowadays. So they do a lot of stuff, and he's helped grow that company. My dad actually worked there. He was an accountant there when they lived in New Hampshire for before I was born, um, and then they eventually moved back here to Rhode Island. Um, but, uh, yeah, company, you know, feeling, making employees feel important is very important from an employee standpoint, but, uh, yeah, so we're almost done here. So I always ask before I end podcasts, you know, what is some advice you'd want to leave the listener? could be about business, life, anything. If you could leave one piece of advice, what would it be? I know it kind of puts you on the spot here. Yeah, but. I mean, my my mind goes to water damage and mold. Mm-hmm. Um, people who don't take 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 care of their water damage, and they either get a an odor that starts to happen in their home, or they get they start getting the sniffles, and they start getting you know a reaction to mold that could be possibly growing in yeah. their home because they never took care of their water damage. 
Um, so even if your fish tank leaks all over your flooring, um, it's something that can, if it's addressed ahead of the game before it turns into mold, um, we could possibly dry it out without, you know, having to tear out your hardwood floors or something like that. So Mm -hmm. I would say if you have water damage, just have a professional come out and take a look at it and make sure that it's taken care of properly on the front end instead of, cause it, it gets a lot worse on the back end. I've seen so many times where we're taking out a wall and we could see, you know, some damage from the years past that has just, you know, had us take out the entire wall versus just a, you know, a small section or something like that. So I think addressing any water damage on the front yeah. end is important. It's funny because, you know, you say that that same situation can be applied to life. Don't let things simmer. Sure. Don't let things grow from underneath you, you know, that you're not talking about. And, you know, it's always good to face your problems, you know, up front. Don't let them simmer in the back of your mind because that's how things get worse. I guess sort of interesting thing to say. But, uh, yeah, I mean, awesome. So I really appreciate you coming on, Greg. It's been a great conversation on about, you know, sewage to hunting and back to cleaning again very interesting conversation you know and i really appreciate you coming out and Um, spending the time thank you max for having me really appreciate it yeah so guys uh make sure to check out the uh the knowledge is power podcast on patreon.com forward slash kip dash pod and also make sure to follow the knowledge is power podcast on instagram at knowledge is power underscore rhode island and make sure to check out today's sponsor the wickford way on instagram as well tanya is great and she will actually be coming on the podcast after the new year uh which will be amazing she has lived in like six different countries or something crazy like that so she has a great story to share with all you guys and please make sure to share the podcast on your social media platforms uh share it on instagram facebook twitter wherever you you are on uh it really mean the world to me and make sure again to check out tanya she makes this podcast possible and so do my other sponsors so thanks guys and i'll catch you in the next one